Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm keeping the American end up. I mean, I'm Alex. <laughs> and I'm the British end, Britain. <laughs> now, guys, we're getting a little... I want to talk to you. We've known each other for a few years now. We've been doing this podcast um, and I think I know the audience now, too. And I want to talk about something a little personal today. Uh, is that okay, guys? Because I, 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 <laughs> I want to talk about... I have no idea where you're going with this. Uh, I'm going to an honest place. I want to talk about a spy who loved me. Uh, I didn't love them back. It was a little weird, but I'm hoping we can kind of break it down today together and everyone come to a, a place of, you know, progress and clarity. Well, Britain, what you gotta do is you gotta you gotta lawyer up, you gotta okay. hit the gym, and uh, read some self help books, and then you're uh, <laughs> and then you're good to go. It's <laughs> all there is to relationships, really. That's just dealing just... dealing with the part where you get broken up with. That's, that's honestly, that's all it is. you're not wrong. <laughs> oh, this, this got dark. Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so this week we're talking yeah, that's about. So what are we talking you about? Know, the movie a that spy just... who, or this Hold spy on. that that little. It, tangent that Britain just went on feels much more in line with the book The Spy Who Loved Me than it does right. with the film right. and, cool. you, and Britain hasn't even read the book <laughs> that's what you think yeah I, I was actually I, the world's uh, third greatest James Bond scholar mm-hmm. surprise it was me the entire time <laughs> I mean it's in we should have known from his name surprise Britain, Britain was the author of all my pain Britain was the author yeah, exactly. of all your pain uh, exactly. Britain uh, just rips off a Mission Impossible mask, and it's Zack Snyder. <laughs> I was thinking that you're you're not you're not even realizing who number number two and number one are. <laughs> and we will leave it ambiguous. So this movie, uh, yes. And yeah. what movie is that, Tyler? The Spy Who Loved Me. Oh. yes. Ah, continue. This sounds like a like a very stoic romance, maybe like a post-war mm-hmm. situation. You're is that, exactly is that right, what this right. is? Wow, wow. It's about the uh, the Red Scare. Oh gosh. And, uh, <laughs> some would call it uh, the Casablanca of uh, post-war America. Yeah, that scene where all the sharks sing the Marseillaise over the Nazi thing. <laughs> What is happening right now? <laughs> Have you seen Casablanca? Uh, I've seen bits of it. Yeah, part like, where the, the French. I, it's, it's, no, no, I, I get your, that you're describing bits from Casablanca. I just don't know what's happening. I think I definitely <laughs> meant to say to this movie. whatever the, 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 the epic southern romance that I can't remember the name of is. Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind. Gone with, I don't know why I Place get Beyond confused. the Pines. I have never actually seen Casablanca. Oh, you mean The Choice? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mean I Can Only Imagine? Oh, you mean Spider Man 2, right? No, you're, you're thinking You've of Yesterday. Guy, right? The 2019 movie about the man who forgets about the Beatles. So I kind of, world. I feel like that could be pretty good somehow. I, when I first saw the trailer for that, I'm, I was I'm, like, I'm very intrigued. Yeah, when I first saw the trailer, I was like, this has nothing to do with anything. I was like, whatever. really? But then like Danny Boyle, I was like, oh, Danny Boyle's directing it, and like Lily James is in. I'm like, this could turn out to be pretty interesting. I don't know. We will review it along with uh, whatever the movies the Beatles made. Were. Yeah, Across the Universe and Hard Day's Night. No, I nope. thought you were going to say we're going to be reviewing that instead of Bond 25 because Danny Boyle was supposed to direct Bond 25. Yeah. We can do that if you need some catharsis after whatever the mess that Bond 25 is hey, going surprise. to be. It's going to be bad. So this movie, 
Yeah, The Spy Who Loved Me from 1977, directed by Lewis Gilbert, who had previously done Tyler's favorite Bond movie and mine, You Only Live Twice. Did he really? Yes. It has an 80% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 76% audience score. Tyler, I'm surprised you didn't make that connection, considering this is almost the exact same plot as You Only Live Twice. Yeah, but it's better? (laughs) No, no, it's it's better. (laughs) But still. Huh. Um... Britain, what is your best thing and your worst thing about the third Roger Moore Bond movie? Um, okay. So my best thing is Richard Keel as Jaws. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, I, I've seen Richard Keel and some other stuff that may be mentioned later in the podcast. Stay tuned. Oh, my and God. He, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just like Richard Keel because he's an interesting-looking person. And he's one of those— yeah, did, you know, did you know he's in the movie The Spy Who Loved Me? Oh really? Yeah. I should watch that. The Casablanca movie. He's he, he's one of those like rare... allied starring Brad Pitt and Marion Cotillard. <laughs> I mean, they wanted to be. Uh, I never saw it. Um, but he, he, he Richard Kill is one of those rare cinematic figures who like he has such a distinctive look about him. Like nobody has the Richard Keel vibe, mm. and like the part that he bites a shark to death at the end of this movie is so great. And Jaws was, kills Jaws. Yep. Yeah, yep. exactly. And I was like, the the transparency of the, yeah, Jaws came out, and so we're just going to do that, is not really a big deal to me. It didn't really bother sure. me. I just, I don't know. I found him genuine, generally pretty entertaining because He's, he never speaks, and he, and he always looked a little confused. Like Richard Keel was like, do I, I tear the car now? Yeah. Okay, I tear the car. <laughs> so that meant that Jaws was always like, you're the you're the you're the bad man. Okay, yeah. I I do you a hit. Well, but he like, always seems moderately confused about his own strength. Yeah, like, like the bit in the desert where they're running away from him and they they get out, away in the van. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. just a delightful sequence. But then he just drops yeah. the rock on his foot and he's just like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and there's that whole amazing thing where they're in the car and he's breaking the just like tearing yeah. the car up. It was just like this great and like weird Barbara scene. Barbara Bach is like I don't how to, I never drove stick. And then Roger Moore has this great take, goes, women drivers. And then it gets this look on his face like, who? I said it. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Women's lip movement is now. I did it. Like, he looked so naughty. Um, yeah. Um, and so and his, he, his, like, physical presence, presence is great. Really, um, truly, Like, yeah. he, he genuinely, genuinely is extremely intimidating. Mm-hmm. Like, when he's, like, throwing Roger Moore up against the wall and just sort of, yeah. like... Such that, like, when Roger Moore women. kicks him out of the train, I'm like... I know this is a movie, and I am the last person. I don't like when people go, that would never happen. I couldn't believe. I'm like, Roger Moore's a big dude. Yeah. Richard Keel is, like is, like, built like the Empire State Building. Yes. It's it's very uh, Hathor Bjornsson. I don't know if I pronounced that right at all, but the guy who plays the mountain. Oh, the, sure, The sure. final actor for the mountain in, in Game of Thrones, um, who is just so massive that yeah. it's just, like, you can't help but be like, man. How does anyone <laughs> maneuver him at all? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. It, it, I, I really enjoyed Keel a lot in this, just just by virtue of it being Richard Keel. And maybe my single favorite shot of the movie is where he's in that wooden structure in Egypt, and he hits it with a with a like mm-hmm. a, a rebar or something, and then it cuts. <laughs> it like a, yeah, very they clearly thing. stop and start. There's again. a lot of bad editing, man. Yeah, for sure. And it's not like, nearly as bad as some of the previous movies. I'm saying more in terms like there are some very specific special effects that are just like. I mean, it's it's sort of endearing. Like, I, it doesn't yeah. bother me nearly as much as it did in the other ones. But there's a lot of like shots that don't line up and a lot of sped up footage. 
Yeah, like and, and this particular one was baffling to me because it wasn't, oh, we have to cut to like the stunt performer or the CGI yeah. or the green screen. Mm-hmm. It was just like, okay, so we, we clearly did. have it rigged yeah. so that he hits the thing and then we have a separate stunt where we yeah. rig it up to fall yeah. on him. Yeah. And I understand, and they didn't want to like. I guess they didn't want to splice in a reaction shot or something. Right, right. So like, we're just gonna hit it and then cut to it where his arms are in a completely different position, and then it falls on him, and it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, love Richard Keel. Uh, my worst thing is that is really not a criticism of the movie. It's just I was so disinterested in the entire thing. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> kind of a criticism right. of the movie. Well, well, but here, here's here's my my honestly my defense of the movie. Within my worst thing. I am just not interested in spy espionage stuff. I'm just not interested in James Bond, generally speaking. So there are parts of this movie that, that I did. It's an opinion that <laughs> and I... And it's wrong. <laughs> As that... I go to not like most of these James Bond movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that's the main thing is I didn't dislike it. It just yeah. we, it just missed me. Right. Um, like I, and I spent a lot of it going like... Okay, yeah, this is. I'm, I'm basically following it. I'm gonna do some push-ups. I'm gonna check my my internet. I'm gonna well, check my internet. That's check the thing the about. Internet. Yep, still there. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing about a lot of spy movies and just that genre in general. It for the most part, it's plot driven. Right. And a lot of times, it's not really that character driven. It's more just like your agent gets assigned a mission, or something goes wrong, and they have to go rogue. It's not so much an exploration of their character. Right. Right. Which is why I tend to lean more on the Bond movies that do explore him as sure. a character and a human being and i tend to resist the ones where it's just oh just a dude doing a thing yeah and, and i think with when i was watching this i remember thinking like i'm not mad at this movie at all i don't yeah. i don't I, I i don't want to call the movie boring because to me that would be like going to someone who does not find slapstick funny at all and saying are the three stooges funny mm-hmm. because they would go i mean i don't know because i i i'm i'm not I, I don't know. It's like a vegetarian can't tell you if a burger tastes good because, like, they just – they're not buying the innate thing. And so I really don't think the movie Literally is – Literally not buying. Yeah, burgers. exactly. I don't think it's oh boring. It's just like – because the whole time I realized, like, oh, this is Britain. Like, I'm just not into the movie. I don't think – because the times when I would really devote my focus to it, I liked it just fine. It wasn't like I was really trying and was, was failing to be invested. Because, like, if I went to go see a Godzilla movie mm. or a musical and was bored – then I would feel right. comfortable criticizing the movie because I'm like, I am your exact audience. And if you right. can't enthrall me, then I think there might be a problem. But in this case, I was like, I'm not your audience. I enjoyed Men with the Golden Gun because they were watching it together and goofing. And so that helped me pay more attention, honestly, in a weird way. And with this one, I was like, I mean, I don't know what my worst thing is because so often I, I was just sort of like, what other movies are there? You know, and just like <laughs> looking about like, into other things. And yeah, I've watched the whole movie and I, I liked it just fine, but... So much of it did just kind of blow past me. Okay, which and that, is, that's completely fair. Um, yeah, which is like, which is why I wanted to be clear about like I'm not calling the movie boring. I'm not criticizing it. It's just I didn't connect with it. Yeah, so. and that and that that is the strange thing, particularly with the James Bond franchise and how amazingly popular it is and how it survived for this long. Because mm-hmm. there's a, a huge chunk of the audience that I feel like this just doesn't work for. Yeah. Well, and some of it might also have to do with '70s action filmmaking. Yeah, for sure. Is Maybe. just action yeah. movies, and, and and I am I try to watch old movies and form. I try to watch a lot of different kind of movies, but most of the movies I've seen were made in my lifetime, right? Because that's how everyone is, I think, or a lot of right. us are. I definitely get the feeling that these movies have reinvented themselves enough over yes. time as we're kind of going through these, like. 
for the times specifically. Yes. And and been ha- made enough hits that were very like of the time and and sort of appealed to the uh, the way people watch movies at that time. Yeah. yeah. That it's kind of been a sustaining. I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't, I don't remember exactly how how Spectre did in the box office, but it came right after Skyfall, which I think it was the second good. highest grossing of the well, entire series. Yeah, yeah, money, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So not as much as Skyfall, but it did make but, uh, well, a ridiculous amount of money. They're all relics of their era, very much. Yes, and which is not a bad thing to be at all. And then, if anything, that's a, that's a compliment to the franchise that they're constantly going. Okay, they're not action movies. Don't look like. Mm-hmm. Moonraker anymore. Now we got to make it. Now we're going to do that another day a different way. Which is why I, I say I'm not into espionage stuff and James Bond in general. Which is true, but that I don't I don't have as much resistance watching the, the Daniel Craig movies. Right. It's easier for me to get involved, and some of that is just on the very shallow level of I recognize more of the actors. Sure. So I'm like, hey, Jeffrey Wright and Mads Mikkelsen and whatever. So I, and then this, I'm like, I think your name is Desmond Llewellyn, <laughs> and he's I actually quite enjoyed him in this one. And like, I mean, he's great in every single. Yeah, one he's of great. Them. But, like, there was just a lot of, like, there were fewer things for me to touch. There were fewer touchstones for me because I don't watch a lot of 70s action movies. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it would be like, I recently tried to watch Logan's Run, which is a 70s sci-fi movie that came out the year before Star Wars. So science fiction was completely different at the time. Yeah. Not that Star Wars is science fiction, but that's another conversation. Yeah. Um, but Star Wars changed science fiction. It, oh, it's it, huge in a huge Regardless way. of whether or not you think it is. Yeah, that's like, true. Yeah. That's, that's true. And it very well could be science fiction. But it absolutely Including changed Moonraker. The sci-fi Bond movie. Right. But I, I think that's the interesting thing when you watch these older movies and you realize, like, oh, wow, all this. And I, you know, consider myself a nerd in a lot of ways. And I'm like, oh, I've watched a lot of science fiction. I can totally do it. Oh, but all the science fiction I've watched is from, like, the last 20 <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah. Which is it's yeah. all a post-Star Wars world. Yeah. So, of course, it's going to be harder for me to touch yeah. You know, to touch base with this movie, and I think that's very much a thing with the older James Bond movies. Is I'm going, I'm having to like rewire my brain. So maybe it'll get easier as I go along because I'll have more familiarity with them. Mm-hmm. Whereas now watching them, it's like, okay, this is everything about this is different from what I'm used to movies being. Right. right. So and it, and it's different from when you watch like a movie from the '40s and you're like, it's just so like, this is a completely different yeah. planet. This is another form of yeah. They were making media. Movies, yeah. Like, base, yeah. Basically. Yeah. People are talking completely differently. Mm-hmm. Everything is different. Mm-hmm. And with this, I'm like, yeah, this is... I don't know. But I found it a lot easier to come up with a lot of things I really liked about the movie. For a movie that I ultimately did not get interested in, I found a lot of things I liked about it. So it's a weird... Mm-hmm. It's a weird relationship I have. Like I said, it loved me, but... Maybe I just want to be friends. <laughs> is that your grade for the movie? Yeah. <laughs> I just want to be friends. Um, friends. Let's mix it up. Alex, you do your, your best and worst thing. I'm not going to give it oh, enough. Oh, okay. Um, my best thing, I think I'll just go with the entire third act. Mm-hmm. Um, because, as, as we joked about earlier, this is kind of you only live twice, but done correctly. Um, if you're going to do this big bombastic yeah. Bond adventure extravaganza where we're just going to have two armies fighting each other and it's, everything's just going to blow up at the end, this is kind of how you do it correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was some cool stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Britain, the ending is very much like nearly beat for beat, minus the bit where he goes to save Anya um, mm. in Atlantis. Um, it's very similar to You Only Live Twice, which mm. is the one where Sean Connery is forced to dress and pretend that he's a Japanese man. Right. Um, probably at gunpoint, I assume. You only make you only point. make the same movie twice, I guess. <laughs> sure. Or 
24 times? Soon to be 25 times? They also, uh, there's a lot of great grenade effects in that last, like, there's a lot of grenades being thrown around, but every time they explode, I was like, that's that's cool, that's cool, that's cool, that worked. Well, it's just, it's just, it's, it's all practical effects. Yeah. And that's, like, I I don't want to harp on that too much, because obviously if you have, like, a huge CGI extravaganza and it looks good, then that's awesome as well, but just everything's done in camera and yep. that's that's just something that immediately just impresses me yeah I, um, I i found myself multiple times throughout this movie being like did they make that set like is that yeah is that really like and, and the yeah. did they really set do where that they have all the submarines like... in there and it's got mm-hmm. two levels and mm-hmm. the, the water's in the middle like i love all of that oh, it's yeah. a beautiful it's a beautiful yes. set yes yeah, yeah this movie was nominated for production design totally deservedly lost to star wars <laughs> I mean, Which is fair totally enough. fair for Star Wars to win, yeah. but no, like the production done in this is really impressive. On top of stunts, the the ski jump at the beginning, the guy that just like plummets for like almost a minute, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. crazy, yeah. And it, that remind, it's like, what is Sean movie, Bean gonna show up? What is going I feel on like here? I need to like slowly dust the rust off this movie because I watched it literally like two nights ago, and for some reason it's already it's like not sticking very well. <laughs> I think I was quite tired when I watched it, but I did I did quite enjoy it. Um, so it's not I'm, It's not because of that. It's almost like for um, most Bond movies, it's like the plot doesn't even matter. Sort of. Uh, th- that's, the, <laughs> that's the bit, though, where he, he, he skis off the edge, and then uh, his parachute folds out to be a Union Jack at the Bond theme. Yes. Starts playing, yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. And apparently yes. at the premiere, everyone lost their minds I, I hope so. It's yeah. pretty cool. They better. Well, it <laughs> was, was excellent. It, it's, it's very much a metaphor for this movie kind of... It being a phoenix rising from the ashes mm-hmm. of of where the Bond franchise was, because as I talked about last time, man, uh, the man with the golden gun almost kind of sank mm. the franchise, and obviously one of the producers left, so it was kind of just left with with uh, Cubby Broccoli. Yeah, that's what man, we, we Cubby, joked about last time. Cubby, it's, it, it was one pretty much Cubby left for betrayed him. by the country he loves. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's it's funny because as we talked about, like a lot of these Roger Moore movies, they're very much just influenced on whatever's going on at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This movie just feels like it's Bond in the 70s, yeah. and we're just, like, it's not specifically like, oh, Bruce Lee movies are hot, oh, black exploitation movies are hot, oh, right. oh, Star Wars is hot, let's set it in space with lasers. Yeah, I guess the closest just, it comes is the Jaws thing. It really is. Yeah. Especially, it's, I did quite love the, the bit where, um, like, and again, this is more, because it's more of an homage, and it's not like, we're making the movie about this, yeah. um, the the bit where they're coming up out of the uh, the water... Mm-hmm. Uh, in the uh, amphibious vehicle, and like they play it like the scenes from Jaws where oh, the yeah, shark's right. about to attack. It's it's and like the the Bond theme is like a, a rendition of that. Yeah, that's that's yeah. like sort of along. This, oh, it's great. Yeah, it's very good. It doesn't halt the movie for like no. five scenes. <laughs> it's to just do like that. oh, we're just gonna do a fun little like. But yeah, I, I it it, didn't, it like this movie has kind of its own identity. In terms of just not like jumping onto whatever the mm-hmm. hottest craze is at the time, and maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe I'm completely missing. Maybe Could Egyptian be. movies were hot at the time. Well, okay? I was thinking about when eighty one is the first Indiana Jones movie, right? Am I am I making that up? Am I too early on that? I believe it's eighty one. It's eighty one or eighty two. I think I think it's eighty one. So like I was just thinking about that. Of like, was that inspired at all by it? Like this is because this feels sort of proto. Indiana Jones, at least for a part. Yeah. And another well, this, thing... Well, this Bond movie in particular is a huge influence on a lot of future directors. Like, Christopher sure. Nolan talks about this as oh, one wow. of his big influences. I believe it. Um, when he was growing up. Which is another uh, thing, too, is that the, the the actual, like... You were talking about the production. I mean, the, the yeah. direction of the movie, I think, is very, like... Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we we've mentioned this a few times where it feels like they they take a bit of a step forward in terms of the the how cinematic they are and how much they are, they look like a movie you could see in theaters today. Right. In terms of the way the action is directed and everything, and it feels like we. The, this I, I really like this style of this. I, feel, I mean, it, I feel like it has a pretty distinct style in terms of the way the camera is placed and everything. Right. Um, but yeah, this is basically kind of, if you're going to have a, you know, quote-unquote dumb Bond movie that's just mm-hmm. bombastic and just crazy, this is kind of what I want it to be, as opposed to, you know, a You Only Live Twice or A Man with a Golden Gun, that type of thing, where, where it just feels... This movie just feels fresh, and it feels like everybody in the movie wants to be there yes, and wants yes. to make, make yeah. the best product possible. Like, the enthusiasm shows in the film in yeah. a way that it really doesn't for for a lot of the other movies. I, I do really think, before I had seen any of the Bond movies, this is the closest thing, the closest movie, at least what we've done so far, and I'm guessing probably in total, the closest thing to what my conspe- conception of Bond was. Mm. Yeah. I think that's, that fits that role the most in terms of like... Uh, maybe when silly, we get to the Pierce Brosnan movies. Could be, maybe. maybe. But I think I think specifically in terms of thinking like, oh, the old Bond movies, this is what I would have... Yeah. This yeah. sort of... Even though I'd never seen any of them, this is what I would have gotten from just like the cultural osmosis of like, oh, it's kind of like he's got the one-liners, kind of crazy, kind lots of lots stuff. of gadgets and vehicles and things like that. And Roger Moore is a pro at those one-liners. He, <laughs> he really is. is. He, um, he has them down to a science. I don't know how he does it. You haven't even said your worst thing yet, but no. Roger Moore is my best thing, for sure. Well, and they also that, don't. Yeah. A lot of those one-liners aren't that great in this movie. There are a lot of jokes where I was like, that joke, like, on the page, that's not a good joke. Right. But he sold it so well. Yes. His yeah. timing is so Which perfect. Which is exactly why I... I'll yeah. talk about it in a second. He's my best. Well, it, it's sure. it's like what you were saying, like women drivers, and then he's got that little smirk, like yeah, he oh, makes this that is, face, like, like, like like he's got that self awareness to be like, this is a dumb line. So Bond kind of realizes yeah. it's a bit of a dumb line, but it's funny. One that his Bond makes jokes, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like how people don't realize that the Joker is rarely actually funny, right? But that in Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight, which I needed to qualify that because no one really knows <laughs> what I'm talking about, like that Joker is actually funny, yeah. Um, sure. Because he's actually making jokes and not just laughing. And then you watch actually. Suicide Squad and you're like, Joker's not funny. Nope. <laughs> so oh. what's, your, what's your worst thing? Um, I'm going to kind of jump on to Tyler's methodology in terms of dissecting the plots of these movies. Ah. Um, I admire f- for the most part how simple this plot is. I think it's very smart to make it simple and straightforward. We've got a third party who's kid- kidnapped these, these different... Uh, or, or uh, grab these different nuclear subs from from these different nations, mm-hmm. and is going to use them to try and start World War Three. Basically, okay. it's a Spectre plot. Well, also very. You only live twice. Yes, and Thunderball. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because the, their intent originally was to use Spectre and Blofeld and to bring them back for this movie. Mm-hmm. But this starts to roll into the the legal rights of of Spectre and Blofeld and uh, uh, McClory, uh, who who co-wrote Thunderball or came up with the idea with Ian Fleming um, so he kind of has ownership rights over Spectre and Blofeld he start, was starting to make his remake of Thunderball at this point which will mm-hmm. eventually become um, Never Say Never Again with Sean Connery um, so that all that starts around this time so unfortunately they, they couldn't use them um, so if this feels like a Spectre plot it's because it basically is and it was supposed to be um so basically, Strongberg is is Blofeld like. Sure. 
Um, but I, I, like I said, I really like how simple the story is. However, I think there's a good 20 minutes of this movie that's just wheel spinning. And that's mm-hmm. when Bond... So Bond has to go find Fekish. So mm, yeah. he goes to the guy's place in somewhere in Egypt. Um, but then there's a lady who flirts with him and she sacrifices himself because he's going to get assassinated by one of Stromberg's guys. Then Bond kills that guy. Um, kind of strange. Didn't feel very Bond-like to me, but whatever. The way he kills him. Um, but then he goes and finds Fekish at the pyramids and Fekish is hanging out with uh, Anya Amasova yes. for some reason. Fekish then gets killed because he's an idiot and he just runs into a room where of course Jaws is going to get in and kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then oh, they're like, yeah. oh, we and have Jaws, to go like, find... gently kisses him, it looks like. Yes. <laughs> uh, we have to go find Max Kalba who has the actual thing we need and Fekish was just our connection to... All this stuff is just... Uh, what? Sure. Like, simplify that. Sure. I don't even know because Stromberg's like assistant or his secretary is the one that is leaking the information for how to figure out what his plan is or whatever. I don't know how the information gets to these other third parties and like none of that stuff really made sure. sense to me and it felt like there were a lot of details just kind of thrown out. Mm-hmm. Especially um, I and and part of this was just cuz I was still like getting settled in to to watch but like I think I completely missed like everything that happened with his assistant and then the the two other guys who were there who they end up getting blown up in the helicopter right at the beginning and it's sort of like why did he do, it's again the goldfinger thing of like why not just kill them all at the same time why 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 kill some of them then because he's and then, theatrical and then kill some of them later Tyler because um, he's he's theatrical sure sure for the benefit of the audience yeah um. But pretty much once you get past that stuff, like, once they go, like, sneak in Jaws' van in the desert, the plot just becomes a lot more simplified. Yeah. And I also... Which, the rest of the movie works very, very well for me. Yeah. The... I mean, the thing... Because you had mentioned that I usually like to dissect these plots and everything. Yeah. That was something that I actually didn't bother me very much with this. And I think part of it was because it felt geographical. In the way the plot progressed, yeah, um, remind me again because don't they end up going to where do they go? At? Basically, they, he goes to Egypt, and then he, he sort of like travels through some of the like the Middle East, right? I, I forget exactly. I remember following this while I was watching the movie, but I've I've already the order of scenes has has been lost to me. Um, I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> most of most of that that first act felt like it was just in Egypt. Okay. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like, well, they go to... Also, after seeing John Wick 3, I'm like, how much... This is... John Wick 3 is very much the spy who loved me. You're not wrong. (laughs) At least a good... A sizable chunk of that movie is, at least. Right, Um, Go see John Wick 3. It Basically, it felt like... the best James Bond movie in, like, a decade. Sure, sure. Uh, Between him traveling... Like, when he goes to Egypt, then they travel by van... And then they travel by boat, or the the aquatic boat, or whatever. And it basically, maybe not so much geographical, but it felt like the movements were all very laid out, as opposed to just like, Bond is over in this other country now. He got on a plane, I don't know. They, you know, it feels like they were watching him take this, this journey. And he go, they go by the train, of course. Lots of vehicle travel. 
where they alternate what they're using to get to certain places. And so there's a lot of, it feels like a very natural progression of, of he's making this, this trek to track down his mission um, as opposed to go here, now go here, now go here, now go here. Right. That's fair. Mm-hmm. I just so like felt like it, visually, when, I, when I was actually trying to sure, comprehend sure. like what, like who, who knows what, why are they doing this? What's mm-hmm. going on? The, a sizable chunk of that. I was very confused by. Sure. And I feel like just a couple of lines of dialogue would have helped. Like, after uh, Fekish gets uh, kissed on the neck by Jaws and slumps dead for some reason. Because uh-huh. um, Jaws is a vampire. Because Jaws yeah. is a vampire. Um, and then, like, Anya confronts Bond outside of the area where Fekish was killed. And mm-hmm. then a couple of her KGB goons attack him. And I'm like, where did they come from? Mm-hmm. And then she's they never a, come she's back. A she's, she's a wizard. Man. She conjured them. It yes. makes sense. Yeah, they're, they're Draugr that she rose from the underworld. <laughs> There's lots of those in Egypt, you know. Um, a... She's reached into the never-never, pulled them out. Mm-hmm. Tyler, I did I'm sorry. Think did that... you do your worst thing yet? I did not. But I did also okay. want to talk about Roger Moore, too. Okay. Um, so my best thing is Roger Moore. And it's specifically because we've talked before about how he comes across as very... or. Bond comes across as this super invulnerable invulnerable character, but like the movies never really seem to grasp that. They try they try to put him in situations where you're like, oh, this is yeah. Uh, well, how's he gonna get out of this one? It's like you're probably gonna I don't know. He'll probably shoot somebody and uh, jump out of the way, and it's fine. Roger Moore plays him specifically in this movie. I think he really turns on this charm of Bond feeling like he's done all this before. And therefore is very casual in the way he approaches everything and very relaxed. And it's that on top of the one-liners. He he makes the movie work in terms of the tone because right. he's just constantly uh, sort of winking at the audience. Um, but in a way that, that doesn't take me out of the movie. In a way that makes me think, oh, I'm kind of interested in where this plot's going. This is, you know, I, I, I want to see the next big action set piece and I want to see what he does with this vehicle and everything. Um specifically that scene where he's in the the van and jaws is ripping the van apart and bonds sort of just teasing anya and being like eh, it's uh, hard isn't it yeah, yeah we're right. getting along here it's fine um when he his quips in this feel more like i don't know the the not quite the spider-man level of like how he keeps his cool because yeah. he doesn't seem stressed but they do seem like he's trying to keep things light mm-hmm Amid something very and and it, there's a sense of with there's when he senses like oh we're about to fight there's a sense of like oh okay well here we go I guess mm-hmm. as opposed to like yes I kill things because I'm a machine yeah well they do a good job of of balancing the tone with that in terms of like he knows when to play it kind of funny and when to be a bit more serious yeah. like, there's a couple of key moments um, the first being like when him and uh, Anya are kind of trading their their knowledge of each other. Mm-hmm. With the you know back and forth, and she's like, "Oh, like I know all about you, 007 license to kill." Um, married only once, however, the wife died, and James he's like, "All right, Bond, you've made the 007." <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, it was and funny. Like, I, I right, specifically had that thought. When we all right, you you've made your point. And I'm like, "Oh, that's." Uh, and then uh, she says, "Oh, you're sensitive," and he says about some things, yes. And I'm like, "Oh, that's a very nice moment." Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, I, I really appreciate that, and that's the first time we've referenced Honor Majesty's Secret Service mm-hmm. since that movie, mm-hmm. so that's nice. Um, spoilers, Bond's wife gets shot in the head at the end of that movie, and then it's never mentioned again. And then also, when he's having to pull the the explosive device out of the nuclear bomb so he can throw it yes. against the, the uh, metal wall... Um, he treats that very seriously, and but he, but even then, there's a little joke where um, they're asking him like, "Oh, what happens if it touches the sides?" And he's like, "Well, then it'll go off." <laughs> yep. I don't know. Like he he, it's it's. I don't want to say a masterful performance, it, but he knows exactly what he's doing um, on the James Bond spectrum. I think it is. Yeah, yes. and I mean he, uh, his his reactions are just priceless. There's a lot of great reaction shots of people, especially around the nuclear bomb, when they have the the entire kind of naval army there who are just like, "Who is this? What's happening?" What? Right. Like, just lots of people staring. Um, but there, there's a, there's a great bit where, where Bond and and uh, Anya they they show up and they again I don't know maybe I didn't pay enough attention to the plot and that's why I'm not being hard enough on it. Um, but the the bit where they they meet, I think it's supposed to be. Uh, Stromberg's assistant. And she's in a bikini. Oh yeah. She's got a she's got a boat. He he, oh, yeah. he like looks back at Anya and he's like, "By God, she has boobs!" <laughs> like that's that's his face. Like he, he does a great. He I mean it's just very comical and charming and, and he he's excellent in this role. Um, oh, also the bit where where he's having to explain himself in terms of killing her boyfriend. Yeah. Mm. Also a very well done scene. Um, I feel like they should have played up their relationship a bit more, <laughs> but it, it was fine. It was it was good well, enough for this. I mean, this it goes a lot farther than most of the other, or really any of the bomb movies we've done up to this point, and some of the ones we've reviewed after. Uh, we're yeah. in terms of <laughs> trying to bridge. Spectre's bad. <laughs> well, I'm saying in terms of trying to bridge. Oh, hey, Bond killed her her previous lover like a month ago. To right. Oh, they're 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 having sex in a in a boat thing at the end. Yeah. Um, it, it's they, they bridged that better better than I mean it's still not very you know well well nuanced or anything like that. Yeah. But they get on the Bond spectrum. Yes, uh, in terms of the other Bond movies we've done, definitely was surprised that they actually addressed that and, and made that you know something to be overcome and sort of and made made it sort of interesting as to whether or not she would actually try to shoot him at the end or anything there was kind of a tension there it was nice well this is one of the closer it, it's time when the movie it's the closest i've seen a bond movie come to an actual relationship being formed yes. as opposed right. to oh you're the one i have sex with in yes. this movie yeah. um and, and they they actually have and, and this is helped very much by treating them for the most part until you get to the end as equals mm-hmm. yeah um because she doesn't take any of his crap. Like, she throws it right back at him. And that's something that a lot of the previous Bond girls, aside from maybe Pussy Calore, um, they really just don't do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's sad yeah, that we haven't had a Bond girl better than Pussy Galore. Because, like... Sure. Well, there's the, there's the really fun Her scene. name is Pussy Galore? Like, we, should, <laughs> yeah. we should be doing Probably better than this. Um, there's the really fun scene where they're both uh, they both are like well good night and they're on the train and then like they they both start to get undressed and they're like listening out for the other to like yeah. it's kind of and like, they're a, like oh who's gonna I, who's gonna I crush first like is, yeah. are they are they gonna do anything are they not um, and then of course and I was thinking at that point when um, 
it was approaching that, I was like, you know, I feel like this is the longest we've gone without um, Bond. At the beginning of this movie, he's sleeping with some woman, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, okay. So it at happens least in terms to actually of... be a Russian agent. Right, right, right. Also, they have the best. It's it's a setup for the best one liner that Bond has in the whole movie. Um, James, I need you. So does England. <laughs> <laughs> That was one I I I messaged you guys a few minutes into the movie and I was oh, like, yeah. there are a couple of excellent one liners so far and that was that I was wonder which one you made it was that or when the when the M's guys were like we gotta tell them to pull out that was that was also there there was a lot of yeah um, what did that mean Alex when they said pull out why is that a joke I don't know okay well I, you I see, didn't get it I just sat there like I guess this is a line of dialogue like I had no idea you what see Britain that's actually that's a that's a really common term for like spies oh uh, I thought country. but but the idea is that it's like he it's was saying to be, pull his gun out of his holster he's got to shoot the, somebody because he's James Bond the, the idea is that it's funny because he's he's kind of like on vacation he's not actually on a mission uh, that's, that's what it is that's okay why, that's what it's funny. he's I like was, Bruce Willis in Die Hard 5 he's on vacation even though he's actually not so why does he keep saying that over and over again <laughs> Okay, I was going to look it up on sexdictionary.com, but <laughs> but now I get that it's not that. Thank you. No problem. Glad we could help. All right. So, um, where was going? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say this is, I think, from the moment, at least up to this point, from the moment of meeting her to when he actually sleeps with her, I feel like that was maybe the longest any of these movies have gone in terms of introducing... At least introducing it. And also the, the fact that there's not really two Bond girls in this, like we get in a lot of the other ones, where it's like they might replace one halfway through and they're like, ah, now we're done with her. Now a new, new girl that he's with to the end of the Yeah. Movie. He um, does technically sleep with three women, but they get the first two out of the way within like the first 15 minutes of the movie. Who's, who's the second one? Um, when he goes to ch- chill with his friend... Um, when, when they're just hanging out in like a tent or whatever. Oh yeah, and he's like, and he's like, the night. And oh, he's like, I'm I sure can't. I can give you a couple of reasons to stay for the night, and then a beautiful lady walks in. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, but hands him a rose, doesn't she? In in ter- yeah, yeah. But in terms of you know taking that long to actually have that become you know again basically making it seem like a relationship. Like I'm pretty sure it's longer than he. Than, than the time from when he meets Leah Sidhu and Spectre. Well, it's because when they meet, it's like 50 minutes into exactly. that movie. Because, again, in that movie, there's... Uh, who's the, the the lady that was supposed everyone thought was going to be the, the actual Bond lady? Monica Bellucci? Yes, yes. Uh, and and so, like, they she's there for some of it, and then, like, he continues to basically hover around the plot for a while before yeah. they actually get to introducing them where this one like Anya gets introduced really early and she's with him for pretty much the entire movie up to the like right at the end of the or right into the third act um, and it's also a very cool setup how she gets introduced because it's like oh do we have like our, our Russian version of Bond who's sleeping with a beautiful woman and then mm-hmm, she's mm-hmm. like oh do you have to leave so soon five more minutes and then the, the, the phone rings or whatever and she picks it up she's like this is Agent Triple X it's like, oh! Have we had a Bond girl... Did Ryan Johnson write this scene? Because they're just subverting all the expectations. Have we shown a Bond girl and and this... It probably is not as interesting or as, as, as much of a triumph as it, it feels just because we're so used to these movies. Have we shown a Bond girl sleeping with another man up to this point? 
Oh, wow. I don't know. Because it's kind of like, oh, Not they... off the top Alex of Alex is going head. through the, the sex Rolodex in his head. <laughs> oh, he stopped on the wild things part. I Wait, mean, I guess Maud Adams sleeps with Scaramanga in the last movie? But do we see it? There's a scene where, where he walks in and she's, like, in bed. But do we, like... Like, it... like do we see it? <laughs> Why am I having this conversation <laughs> with you right now? But, but I am saying, like, that genuinely yeah. is interesting in terms of, I think... And, and again, I think all these things go a long way towards making her an actual character. Yeah. Um, she does kind of get taken out for the third act. But at the same and time... It totally gets damsel turned into At the same time, it's kind of nice damsel that... Damsel distress. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, it is... Kind of, it's a trade-off complete it, with skimpy outfit sure it is nice also to see bond um doing his own thing and like he's leading just a group of guys to take back this ship yeah um it's it's a really interesting we don't really see him in that role a lot, a lot of the time we see him he's dragging around the 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 weak-willed woman who is messing up and yeah, blowing up yeah. scaring his island by pushing a guy in a <laughs> thing of dry ice or whatever um, it's it, like the, there's a lot of that in the final acts of Bond movies where he's just sort of dragging the girl around and the girl's like, oh, I don't know what's happening. I am, I am but a poor woman. And then uh, inevitably she, she does something that either ruins the plot or, or saves the plot or whatever. And, and she's completely li- like, it, I would rather than just take her out and just like have her sit aside and be like, we'll get back to her than have her care like completely lose all the agency she had throughout this although it would be nice if they had actually kept her in and had her do things yeah yeah i i don't want to i want to trust them necessarily to to pull that off um yeah all things considered uh i think i think his performance is great and i think that he has great chemistry with her in general Mm -hmm. in terms of of playing off of that role um i still haven't talked about my worst thing i don't even know what my worst thing is we're 40 minutes in um but yeah, uh, worst thing wise, uh, I mean, I didn't. It, this is to me very Ant Man esque, <laughs> um, which is to say that I really enjoyed it, but also don't like. There's a li- there's a, a limit to which I expected to enjoy it, and it hit that as opposed right. to sure. it wasn't like a. Wow, I'm really like this is this yeah, is one of the best surprise. movies so, I've seen. It's what you're saying is it fits Zack Snyder's uh, flavor of the week comment, but it's not a bad thing. Yes, exactly. Like it's it's this is what I expected to be the best of, or this is what I was expecting would be the best of these movies, okay. basically. Well, th- well, that's good that that I I didn't uh, ruin your expectations no. by by saying this is the best Roger Moore sure, movie. Sure, no, I I really did. I think that it executed everything really well, just in terms of. Again, Roger Moore. The the again the relationship was actually something. Um, right. Great great villain in Jaws, uh, and and Stromberg's good too. But but specifically just Jaws and, and his Jaws is really compensating a lot for Stromberg. Yeah yeah. yeah. Um, the the. the uh, I was gonna say um all the the like you were saying the practical effects all the vehicles uh, some cool locations there there's a lot going on here that i really really enjoyed it's just it's it is still like you said i mean the plot is nonsensical and <laughs> in in many ways um, well it's nonsensical up to a certain sure, point sure. and then it just becomes very simple yes exactly which if you're going to be a big bombastic dumb bond movie keep it simple stupid <laughs> yeah so i mean all of that really combines to to make that i mean i think I don't know, I feel like my 
I don't know what my worst thing is. Like, again, it's one of those things where it's not necessarily that everything was perfect. It's just that everything was... Yeah, that was pretty good. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know if I have one. It would be I'm, great if this is the one movie where you didn't have a worse thing. I've done that before. For, have you for really? random movies. Yeah. I um, can't remember. Not often. I might legitimately do that for this one. Like, there's nothing that's... I'm sure, like, maybe as we'll talk. We'll, I'll, we'll put a pin in it for now. We'll revisit when we do grades, and if I if I have anything else, I'll, I'll come back. I didn't technically have a worse thing about it either. Oh, did you not? My worst thing was my own bias. Oh, right. Sure. Right, right. Sure. Yeah. I took myself to task. Well, so, that, I mean, that's so many, I mean, I think that you could sum that up by your worst thing is it's dated. I guess. I yeah, feel like that would but be. that's also, I don't know. Which might be the best way to say my worst thing is just like, there's only so much a movie could do yeah. uh, for me from this era. Um, I say that as Star Wars came out this year, but even then. And Close Encounters. We'll, we'll put all that aside. Um, <laughs> um, so how do we feel about Barbara Bach as Anya Masova, a.k.a. Agent Triple X, not Vin Diesel? I feel like she works better than she should. And, and <laughs> yeah. a lot of that is, it's, again, it's a, it's a weird spectrum because the Bond women are so rarely given anything to yes. do, any real right. ability, chance. Like I'm, I'm genuinely looking forward to when we get into the 90s and the 80s ones because I'm going to recognize those actresses a lot more. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Michelle Yeoh. Well, she's a bad guy, I think. No, she's not. Oh, she's not. Awesome. So, like, I'm generally interested to see, like, and she and she's pretty cool. In, she, in oh, Michelle is awesome. Yeah, just in general. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I think she was fine. I mean, for what this movie gave her to do, which is not a lot, except in comparison to James Bond movies. Right. Everything's relative, right? Yeah. Uh, to 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 movies, it wasn't great, but to James Bond movies, it was it was impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought she was I, fine. I don't know. I obviously Barbara Bach is is gorgeous, and I personally I, I think she's one of the the, the best looking Bond girls. Um, well, I, I don't know what she what else she's done. I don't know what uh, the rest of her filmography is like. So she's married to George Harrison. That's all I know. Really? Yeah. Wow. I think that there's sort like, of a is she, is oh. she his widow and when. Were they married when he died? I don't know. Is George Harrison dead? Yeah. Said it for oh. a while. Tyler, look up these things. Sure. Now, I remember when it happened. I remember seeing it on the news. Check that out here. <laughs> okay. Let's all look up and see who can get there um, first. Alex, what are, talk about the Bond theme while I look this up. Okay. Well, no, no. I want to keep talking about Barbara Bach. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh... uh I I found George, her act. George, you mean George Harrison from the Beatles? Yes. No, George Harrison from uh, ACDC. Okay, because I was gonna clarify. Uh, he passed away in two thousand and one and was not married to Barbara Bach. Which of the Beatles so, was married to Barbara Bach? Probably oh, Ringo. I think back. I think Ringo actually. <laughs> Is it Ringo? Okay. This this shows how little I know of the Beatles outside of well, John Lennon and Paul McCartney were there. Um, yeah, married to Gringo. Yeah, Probably like okay. Elton John, was he? No, because I, I remember now because... I in, apologize uh, to Beatles fans everywhere. No, no, no. Shame on me. Well, because in, in Love Actually, uh, Liam Neeson has a line about drummers and how Ringo Starr married a Bond girl. And then Thomas Sankster goes, whatever. And it was funny. <laughs> but I, I think there's kind of a... Uh, 
kind of idea that there's a curse for a lot of Bond girls where, like, after they become a Bond girl, then they don't get that much acting afterwards. Sure. They don't get that many roles. Um, I think that kind of happened to her. Um, well, she was in Island of the Fishmen. And there Black, we go. And the Great Alligator River. There mm-hmm. you go. Are these, is, the, is, are that, these is that the spinoff with uh, Sheriff J.W. Pepper? Yeah. <laughs> Can I just say... Um, I, I know you want to you want to talk about her more, but I don't know. I feel like we've already covered a lot of. That's incredible. Well, I will I will post that with the. Uh, oh my god, that's terrifying! There, yeah, guys, there is an image of her with fishmen. Yeah, I'm looking at her, Barbara Buck, looking like a Bond girl hanging out with some fishmen, and I'm gonna watch this movie. <laughs> um, it looks awesome. Yeah, uh, but I, can I just say on the subject of Sergeant J W Pepper of the Louisiana State Police? Um, the kind of grizzled uh, submarine veteran <laughs> that we have at the end. Oh, I yeah. forget his name. Um, Who is an extra in a lot of movies around this time. Like, he's okay. an extra in a couple of different Bond movies. He, and he's also in Superman 2, I believe, mm-hmm. with Sheriff J.W. Pepper. Yeah, he is, he, is a, he is such a fun, interesting dynamic to play Bond off of. Yeah. Um, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, it, it was just... Uh, and again, that, that kind of goes into the fact that I think letting Bond do his own thing for the third act was actually quite interesting. And is not something we've really seen before, is playing him off this this cast and crew. Although there there were a couple of great moments where... Um, I, think one, one, I think it's one of the first guys we see in the movie where he uh, he's looking through the, the porthole or whatever. I don't, I don't know what you call things on submarines. Um, porthole, I think, is probably right. like a window or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, you mean where um, the captain offers to give uh, her his private shower? No, 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 no. Before in the beginning of the movie, the submarine. Because that's crew, a scene that happens. It is a scene that happens. Uh, the submarine crew that gets captured, um, the the like captain of that submarine is like looking through, looking out, and he's like, "My God!" And oh then, yeah. And then we cut, and we don't see that. Obviously, it was the submarine getting captured. Right. Um, the he he at some at one point is like I'm gonna go do things and he gets killed. And Bond's like well, and then like his second in command's like we're gonna go do things and then they immediately get killed. Right. <laughs> it's like oh okay well well it, it just helps that it, like at least they establish those yes. guys and it's like oh I've seen them before I know I I've, I I know who it's, they are and that, really when not, they die you feel at least a little yeah, something. It's not bad. It's just funny because it's just as very opposed immediate. to. You only live twice. Oh, they're just a bunch of ninjas getting blown up or whatever. <laughs> whatever happens in that terrible, terrible movie. Um, but Barbara Bach, <laughs> um, I think she's really pretty. Uh, but I, I found her acting to be very flat. Um, and I'm not sure how much of that was them saying, do try a Russian accent or sure. don't. I couldn't even tell what she was doing. <laughs> Um, I could, and this I would this not very much has the problem of people should be speaking their native tongue, and they're just not like that mm-hmm. scene where she's talking to Gogol, uh, the Russian head of the KGB, who is a recurring character after this point. Like hmm. he's in like the rest of the Roger Moore movies, I think. Interesting. Um, but they're, they're just speaking English, and I'm like, oh, they're they're not even going to try. Okay, they're practicing. Okay, yeah, just got to make sure if you can blend in. 
But aren't there a couple of moments where, where characters are speaking foreign languages and they actually have subtitles? For some reason, I, I'm thinking that that happened. I don't remember twice. that, but I'm not honestly I, not sure. Yeah, not that I remember. Okay. Because at least, I, like, I, I, I'm not going to, you know, judge the movie either way. But if you're, if you keep it consistent, and you're like, all right, everybody's just speaking English. I, I don't really care for that, but I'm willing to to be fine with that. But but it's it's the flimsy. Sure. Sometimes they shouldn't be speaking English, but they are, and then other times, uh, whatever subtitles. Like I, I be consistent one way or the other. I don't remember there being subtitles, but I, I might have missed something. Um, okay. This is for after the podcast. I want to give a little bit of homework to the hosts and to the audience. Go on to imdb.com. Just type that into your search bar. Uh, if you go to your help menu, look up a movie called Caveman from 1981 starring Ringo Starr and Barbara Bach <laughs> and, oh De- and Dennis Quaid. <laughs> And just look at every single image in the gallery, and you're going to have a great night. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> we're going to look at it when we're done recording. Um, All right. What did, what did you... Is this like the part in, in Avengers Age of Ultron where Thor shows up, and he's like, Hey, guys, I know about the Infinity Stones. Infinity Stones, Thanos, uh, I created like, Vision. It's guys, I have, I have found the secrets of Cave, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty That's a good tie. Well, since I since I derailed us, I'll get us back on track. What did we think of the Bond song in this? I liked it because I like Carly Simon. Yeah, and nobody does it better. It's, I, it's I think it's like a good song, like in another song. I really, themes. I really have yet to be disappointed by um, the fact that like all of these songs are the Bond titles yeah. sung. I might the 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 theme for. I guess all the Daniel Craig movies don't do that, right? Except for Skyfall. Oh yeah, Skyfall. Duh. Well, there we go. I think this emphasizes my point, which is that I feel like of, yeah, because what was Casino Royale's? You know, like, I like that song, Royals or something. Um, <laughs> Quant- Quantum of Solace is Man, like. Man, I wish. What's Quantum of Solace's? See, Britain, your acting is so good that like I think you're actually asking a genuine okay. question, and then you just have like this this smart ass answer. Okay, well, I genuinely didn't know the name of the because you know, I I don't. I genuinely didn't know the Casino Royale song name, and I don't know remember the Quantum of Solace name. I know that it was Alicia Keys and, and Jack, Jack White. White. What was that yes. song? Uh, Another Way to Die. Okay. Okay. <laughs> In other words, not Quantum of Solace. Die, die Another Way, they should have called it. Another Way. But it was oh Skyfall. Oh, my God. <laughs> now I'm just imagining... It's it, like it's the exact same song, but then they just have Madonna interject bits of the Die Another Day <laughs> theme, which I think is even worse than the Quantum of Solace theme. It's kind of the reverse of all of her music, where she just steals from other people. Oh, oh. I think that's what happens. Oh. I don't know. I think <laughs> I've heard, Madonna. I think I've heard that. Um, what? Um, because writing on the wall is Spectre, right? Yeah, correct. Cool. Which a lot of people don't like, but I do like. So whatever. But but my thing is that like. All of those songs, but Skyfall, they don't have the title of the movie in the name yeah. or in the in the song, like in the chorus. But and you I know, think, my name is the best Bond theme. <laughs> but I think I am more like I think they have all been been at least slightly, if not more so, lowered in my opinion. Just after going through all of these, and every single one is just someone. Usually, I mean, the best ones is just someone just wailing on the theme or on the title, <laughs> right? Um, but at least singing the title. Yeah, because because this one, it, you know, it, 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 nobody does it better. But she does say, "The spy who loved me." Yeah. They managed to get it in there. Yes, mm-hmm. 
And I just, I mean, I like Carly Simon a lot anyway, and she didn't write the song, but I think her performance is great. I think she sings it really beautifully. Oh, yeah. Um, I like her voice well, a lot. It's one of those things where I, I think kind of the mission statement when they were writing it was, okay, let's do a song that's actually about James Bond instead sure. of just like a nebulous thing that kind of relates to the plot. Right. Yeah, I didn't find so, the images in this one as sure. cool, but I liked the song a lot. Yeah. Um, I... I don't know. It's one of those weird things where literally every girl that they show is just naked. Yep, and right. It, it doesn't help that it's all in HD now, so, like, you can tell. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just weird that, like... Britain, I think you're like, 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 even, like, when when, when they're, they're, like, walking in line because they're, like, Russian soldiers and they've got their hats and, and their, their rifles, but then they're just naked. Oh, then, right, right. And then Bond just walks up and, like makes them all fall backwards it's, it's bizarre imagery yeah in conclusion adele is truly the best of us dude you're getting adele um i really enjoyed the ski yeah patrol most if for no other reason cause there's a bit where like the music kind of paused and then it got like really funky like right as he landed or something Oh, this the interjects score? a good bit of seventies. Uh, uh, yeah, there's a the lot of funk in this score. Is excellent, because um, they they do the traditional Bond theme every now and then, and then they also yeah. do a lot of like mixed up Bond theme, and it's great. But I also really enjoyed the part where he turns his skiing backwards and he holds up the ski pole and he fires a rocket at the guy. Which well, that's kills how him. he kills the boyfriend. Oh yeah, yeah. Ah. and and to do like the zoom in on the guy dead in the snow, that was pretty funny. Because it's supposed to be telling you that yeah. that's the boyfriend, even though it's very difficult to tell. Oh, I thought it was just them going like, Bond! <laughs> what is he good for? <laughs> no, there is actually a storytelling reason for why they did that. It just wasn't conveyed very well. It was overshadowed by Bond <laughs> furling, unfurling like, the Union Jack. Did, did you guys notice this? The no. Bond theme, when he jumps off and triggers the parachute, the Bond theme kicks in like half a second too early. Oh yeah, it does. Yeah, sure. I, did I you guys notice that? that? Yeah, I don't think I did. It, now that you mention like, it, I do remember it. It's very bizarre because you think like right as the parachute unfurls and right as you can tell that it's the Union Jack, you, then it triggers. But it's, it 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 triggers before that. It's very weird. I'm gonna ask that you don't uh, question our Lord and Savior Cubby Bockley. Thank you. <laughs> hey man, look, I'm a Cub Scout through and through. You can't. <laughs> Don't no no. Yeah, I was a, I was a member of the the Cub Scouts when I was younger. Oh, like you know the the organization. No, no, no. Sorry, sorry. It, we're, we're it's Cubby Broccoli fans. Yeah, we, we write letters. <laughs> write letters. Ah, uh, now Cubby's got to become a bear. He's got to walk on his own now, like in Brother Bear. Oh my god, that movie I totally saw. I never thought we would reference Brother Bear in a James Bond episode. <laughs> I can get us a lot of places. I thought we would in one of the Twilight episodes. Of course. You know, werewolves. Yeah, we're in the forest a lot. <laughs> They're in the forest. Random, random addendum to our Twilight episodes. Um, I did eventually oh, finish Jesus. that series. Series is a solid, solid young adult, you know, kind of, kind of preteen girl aimed, aimed series. Um, they reveal. I don't think they mentioned this in the the movies, but they reveal at the end of the series that the werewolves aren't actually werewolves. They're actually just like magical, like, like. Native American shaman people, and like mm. that's why they're so different from like actual werewolves, like in mythology, and like the idea oh. is that actual werewolves live in like Europe and have. So they can just can they turn into other things besides wolves? No, I mean I don't know. Maybe they could. Maybe okay. if they really really thought about it. Okay. But the idea is that it's just like there. It's Native American magic, and it's not like 
actual werewolf items. Sure, it's not lycanthropy. Lycanthropy, that's the one. They're not um, a warwolf. Yeah. And so, uh, so I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. Because then that makes a lot more sense, and the movie doesn't care about it. <laughs> anyway. Well native, well, native shamans have some shredded abs. That's what I'm saying. That's all they really count. Shredded like a ninja turtle. Um, I'm trying to think of other bits in this movie that I liked. Uh, I liked... I don't know, man. There are quite a few good kills. Yeah. Um, someone someone tries to use a motorcycle sidecar rocket. <laughs> right. Uh, it's quite good. And then goes hurtling off the cliff after it fails. Um, we have back-to-back vehicles hurtling off cliffs, uh, which is always a good sign. Mm. Um, <laughs> the, the, the whole car chase sequence is great. It is great. You know, like Bond like swerves between two trucks, and it's like, oh, this is, that was, that was I also, Genuinely, this movie's shot very well. I yes. think it's the locations are really pretty. I feel like in some of... Like, uh, Skyfall obviously is, like, gorgeously, perfectly shot because Roger Deakins is amazing. But, like, this, I, I found it not near anywhere near that level of cinematography. But, but if you're I, thinking 70s It was action better. Movie, it's a really pretty... <laughs> and I think a lot of it was just, they got it, and this is a personal opinion, I don't like 70s decor. The mm. upholstery bothers mm-hmm. me. I think it's silly. Roger Moore's pants, like the pant legs at the yeah. bottom. Like, like it's, slightly too baggy. Oh, there was it's one scene fantastic. where... I did really like the montage of the crazy gadgets Q had made that are just like these dumb things. Like a, like a dinner plate that will shoot across the table and kill excellent. you. I want it's... that ready for Ahmed's tea party. <laughs> yeah. All of those. That just, was a, a really funny... Well, it's, well, it's, it's just it's the entire introduction of him where he... He's sitting the plate down, like the tray down on this rail, yeah. and he's like covered, like he's looking up over it so that you can only see like his nose up, and then he's just like staring intently at it as it shoots across and decapitates a dummy, and it's just like what? Right. Oh, it's spectacular. Um, and that's that's one of the things I feel like I shouldn't like about this movie. Like they've got the secret Egyptian base, right, or whatever, and I. I I, I heavily resist that no matter how serious or ridiculous the Bond movie is. That's just too far for me. Like in the last movie when they've got that that, that thing out in, in Hong Kong or wherever mm. they are and it's just like this leaning boat yep. and they've just got Hem's office set up like it normally is. I'm like, this is just stupid. Like, what is the point of any of this? Um, just have like an office building in a metropolitan area in this country. <laughs> like, it's not that difficult. Um... But for some reason, it kind of worked. No, in this I agree. Movie. I agree. It's, it, this feels a, to me a little. I think you didn't like it in um, whichever movie it was, where where they have the submarine one, the submarine office. Is that is that uh, you only live twice? That I is think. you only live twice. Yes, because um, he doesn't wear the hat, and that means it's the worst movie ever made. Um, <laughs> still doesn't wear a hat in this one. I'm holding out. Um, yeah, he does. Does he? Does he wear a naval hat? At the beginning, he shows up in his full naval uniform when he uh, when he's meeting with M and all those guys, and he's wearing the hat. Well, there we go. I completely missed that. I have to look up an image of this now. I completely right. missed that. Wait, what do we think of Stromberg? Because I didn't um, think of Stromberg. Um, <laughs> he's fine. He ha- I, he has webbed hands apparently, right. and they never show that. I, well, I, I had to look really carefully because about three fourths of the way through, maybe I was like, "What's his thing?" And then I remember there was a shot where I was like, does he have lobster boy hands from American <laughs> Horror Story? They're going to say from Aqua Boy and Lava Girl. That's... And I, was, 
I was a little confused because obviously his whole thing is I want to kill life above water and like start a new race underneath the sea. Yeah, he's Andrew Ryan. Correct. From Bioshock. But I I, I didn't quite understand like a lot of his motivations surrounding like that. Like is the idea that he thinks humans are going to evolve so that they can breathe underwater or does he just literally want them to live underwater with like – is a, like is a, live in Atlantis. Is a man not entitled to the sweat of his own brow? I mean, that's fine. Just give no, the says details. the man in Washington. It belongs to the state. No, oh says the God. man in the church. It belongs to God. No, says Cubby Broccoli. It belongs to me. <laughs> a slave right, chooses. A man. All right, fair a man chooses. I got whatever. I have just found Bond in the naval suit. I can't believe I missed this. Guys, that's, go play Bioshock. It's great. That that is. Oh, that's. It, it's <laughs> that good. just warms your heart. Doesn't it does it? warm my heart. Rudy Toot, Toot. Someone's wearing a white suit. Just, just Bond, Bond in the naval hat, man. We finally got it. S- set up and pay off. I think Tyler found his uh, Halloween costume. That's accurate. Well, it's just, it's just interesting. It's like, oh, you're Bond... a Navy unit? I'm James Bond! <laughs> James Bond, what are you talking about? Bond was in the Navy, and the movies don't really use that. Really? Yeah, and this one I really digs into it. Well, the, the books also don't really use that sure. at all. But this one specifically, like I thought that again, that's I think that's a really interesting element of the third act that it's like, oh, he's commanding these people because he is. That, that's like, a that's a very Walking Dead right. thing where it's like before the apocalypse, she was a firefighter. Sure. How, do, how do you know that she said it on the after show? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, you know, right? Yeah. Um. But yeah, Stromberg, like I said, he's just kind of Blofeld light. Um. I thought the performance was okay in the sense that I went, I bet you're a good actor in other stuff. Yes. Right, like I can tell that you can act. There's just not a lot for like, you to do. It's just like let's have a classically trained British actor just so he can deliver dialogue. Yeah. Now I will That's say it. I liked I, his lair a lot. I thought it was again mm-hmm. the great production mm-hmm. design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that it's was all massive. Really cool. Like it, it's, yeah. they do a good job with the scale. Right. Um, after I, after we talked about the sort of uh, disappointing lair that uh, Scaramanga had in the mm-hmm. last one, where we like this wasn't as cool. Like the idea is better than yes. the execution. Here, I thought, no, that actually works for like. Yes. Right. Again, you know, not to do another reference, but like Bioshock kind of renders all other underwater sure. uh, things sure. irrelevant because it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but this, I thought, was like that's pretty cool looking base. Yeah. With yeah. the the elevator that, with the trap door in it and everything that yeah, Bond ends, yeah, up, yeah, ends up standing yeah. on. Um, I'm a big fan. of... You wanted me to drop in. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the uh, the the giant or the comically long gun that like trails yes. underneath the entire table. Yeah, uh, that Bond. That it takes somehow... the bullet so long to get to him, he can dodge. <laughs> well, Bond then shoots into the barrel of that <laughs> and thing, like... and somehow that hits Stromberg. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. Or like it explodes, or not. It's like a no control minute. I don't know what's happening. Out of it. <laughs> knocks the like the barrel or something. I don't know. I don't know guns. Bond shoots Jaws in the teeth, and it's hilarious. Yes, and he and then he uses the magnet to get Jaws, and Jaws is just like I don't when know he, what's happening. Yeah, when he hits him with electricity, I was like, "Why don't you close your mouth, dude?" <laughs> <laughs> like it wasn't because it was such a slow. It took him so long to to attach the electricity to Jaws's teeth, and yeah. Jaws was just like. No, I think he was going. I can't close my mouth. I've got metal. But teeth. He, he's closing his mouth a lot in this movie because he reveals the teeth. He's under he's duress, he's got, like he's flexing his muscles. I don't know. He's got um, big lips. My big, it's funny my, when my when big the, all, all, my, all my all my lip closing power is going to my <laughs> arms right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't have my gogurt to give me my my great <laughs> lip closing power. It is funny how when the giant magnet like Bond 
drops that on him and then it kind of picks him up to drop him into the shark tank um half the time jaws isn't even like holding his arms on it yeah so it's just like that should just be ripping like his face apart he's got an adamantium skeleton yeah yeah, yeah. that makes sense that makes sense Um, which raises the real question why doesn't wolverine have adamantium teeth or does he that's for you to find out. Or a new question. You've never seen them in the same room together. I was going to say that. Why didn't Richard? <laughs> why doesn't Richard Keel play Wolverine? <laughs> Just like a huge. Everyone. I, I like the idea. Yeah, of like, everyone complaining about how huge exactly. Jackman's too tall, and we're just like, what? If okay, we what have we got? Richard Keel, who's seven foot two. Yeah. Hey, who I've never heard speak in a movie. I've never heard Richard Keel. I don't know what he talks like. He sounds like a normal guy. He's great. Um. I think subconsciously the bit where Bond is confronted by Jaws in Atlantis and like Jaws is like rounding the corner and Bond's like trying to figure out where he is. I think that subconsciously influenced my rewriting of Spectre with uh, Dave Batista's character just hunting down sure. Bond in, in uh, uh, the ruins of the MI6 well, building. This, this movie feels <laughs> a lot like what Spectre wanted to be. Yeah. In many ways. Well, and that, that's that's the thing with Spectre is it, it was trying to emulate more classic Bond, like but, lean even more into that than Skyfall. But this did. movie, I feel like, and, and kind of talking about the fact that I feel like it encapsulates a lot of the feelings I had about Bond before I was watching these movies. I also feel like it draws heavily from all the Bond movies before this. Like I feel like it's it's got a yeah. lot of set pieces that are like let's perfect this set piece. It, this yes. this movie oh, like, hasn't. It, that's, has that's the thing that it does. It chooses not to go what's the hottest thing at the time that we can just rip off. Mm-hmm. It goes what are all the elements from the previous movies that we can weave it, together and make into a strong product. It has a giant middle finger to Thunderball where like some divers <laughs> show up while they're in the, the aquatic uh, car and Bond's just yeah. like oh yeah Bond, Bond's basically just like screw you I have a giant aquatic car <laughs> and he's just like rocket ship it's yeah. <laughs> and I was like what is this Aquaria Towers and Spyro 2 Ripto's Rage yeah. what are we doing here oh my god heavily influenced but yeah he's there's divers <laughs> and he's just like blowing them up <laughs> it's just like I'm like yes oh there's a part where he just runs into it... one and blood starts pouring out <laughs> <laughs> it look, It feels like it's about to be like, oh, we got the whole long underwater here. Because you missed Thunderball, Burton, but mm. Thunderball, the last half hour, feels like just this giant, elongated, coolly shot, but overall just completely boring in this day and age. Sure. Um, action scene between divers just shooting shooting harpoons oh, at each other. Bond also They were so harpoons. excited to be shooting underwater for the first yeah. time, like ever, for a movie yeah. that they just, they just wouldn't turn off they, the camera. They didn't know when to stop. Bond harpoons two men with the same gun yeah. in this movie. Okay, that's awesome. It, that where he's 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 standing on like one of the railings in the ship or whatever, and he, he shoots. And I was just like, wait, did that happen? Yeah. Something else I liked about this movie is that the epilogue didn't take 20 minutes because mm-hmm. I feel like James Bond movies will do that like alright we beat him great job right. everybody now for 20 minutes of him talking to the woman and a bunch of other stuff that yes. we don't need to deal with and this was like less than 10 it was yep. very quick and it ended with the joke of all the guys going <clears throat> when they see him having sex well it's funny because they even used that joke it's like monocles yeah. popping out exactly I and never so- I think this might be the best example of that being used. Yes. What's the line he has? Uh, I'm keeping the British end up. Yeah. Is that what he says at the end? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then, and Bond, then he, what do you think you're doing? Pulls down keeping the, the British end up, sir. And then he closes the thing. I feel like we missed another sex joke then at the beginning. 
Because I feel like there was another one in there. I feel like there were several all in, in quick succession when they're trying to. I know at in. some point in these movies, Roger Moore says something came up, and I don't remember. That's, if that's it's this, this one. Movie that, or that's the what last I was thinking movie. of when when he he yes, it's exactly this one where where they call him and they're like, "Tell Vaughn to pull out," and then he says oh, yeah. something came up, and it's just like, <laughs> oh, and then like, oh, okay, what? And, and there's that line. I think it's the first time that he and uh, Barbara Bach have success. That's a couple of times this movie. I think the first time they do, um, she's like. What are we gonna do? And he's like, "I'm gonna have sex with a cup of tea." <laughs> oh, okay. You remember that part? <laughs> I, no, I don't. Tyler, I think both of us simultaneously blacked out when we watched that part. You guys don't remember that part? And then he's like, are you sure "Yeah." That's not from then, he, then he puts on that little cap and he's like, "I'm the chimney sweep." <laughs> oh, oi, oi, Mary Poppins, he says. Britain, are you okay? Oh. No, oh, dude. Oh my god. <laughs> Come on. I'm really disappointed in my joke that I was really proud of before I said it out loud. <laughs> it's right. okay. It's okay. So I really movie. like the end confrontation between Anya and Bond. Yes, that's, that's what I was saying. I did like that. She has him at gunpoint, and then she just shoots the, the um, champagne. cap off and the then there's, champagne. And then there's still like a moment where he's... Because he has... What does he say? He's like... and. In my country, it's customary to grant one last request, mm. and then she like yeah. slowly smiles, and it's like it's really it is well, well even better than that. She says, "Granted." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so like it's it's really again it, there is an actual like we have been led to believe at up to this point she might like he might have to try and kill her because obviously yeah. Bond's not going to die because it's Bond, but like there is enough gray area that she still might not like yeah. forgive him for Tyler. Hear me out. So last episode, we really kind of fleshed out this idea of, of this cinematic series of Bond that really utilizes all of the various fun characters and mm-hmm. kind of interweaves them all. I would have Anya Masova be kind of the Bond girl that we see multiple times. Like, I would yeah. have her come back again. I agree. Uh, for sequels. Do they address her in the I, next I, movie, or is she just... Never mentioned again. Okay. Ain't that the truth with Bond girls? Ain't that just the way. They say um, goodnight a few times in this movie. I feel like that was kind of a throwback. Sure. Kind of Do they homage. actually? Hmm? They'll just be like, all right, goodnight. goodnight. I, I, I'd like to go to the commentary and Cubby Broccoli is like, yeah, we were really wanting to reference all of the different Bond films. And for Man with the Golden Gun, you know, the girl's name is Mary Goodnight, so they say goodnight. And then they just move on. <laughs> and then we had eight cats in one scene. <laughs> True, true. Uh, but yeah, that's... I, I don't know. Do, do you all have any other major thoughts about the movie? That's uh, that's kind of everything yeah. for me. Well, then I guess it's time for my favorite segment. Oh, Brit- okay, go ahead. Wait, no, 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 go ahead. You, do, no, 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 finish, finish <laughs> it. No, do your thing, seriously. Uh, you of, cut him off! Speaking of great... Um, great vehicle moments. And, like, this, this movie, I think, genuinely has a lot of fun vehicle shots scenes correct uh, the car is very good um they, you remember in the last movie where every single vehicle chasing was boring yeah yeah what? yeah this movie addresses that well you say every single the scene's boring except for the one stunt that is ruined by a sound effect <laughs> that is immortalized by a sound effect made but, but made by a sound effect we're splitting we're splitting hairs it's fine um <laughs> the, uh there's a bit where oh, I, for, I forget how the scene plays out but I remember just laughing hysterically at it because um, 
Bond. I think there's some. There's some like someone's alluding to like how is Bond going to get on the submarine, and then we just do a, a smash cut that zooms out on Bond on a jet ski. <laughs> And it's yeah, just yeah. the most Which perfect I editing. is the first time a jet ski has been used in a movie. Really? Real? Of all yes. movies? Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. It's, I believe so. It's just an excellent, like, how is he going to, like, like a... Well, it's just great because even before before that, he's just like, oh, I have to go save Anya. Give me some time. And he's like, all right, uh, begrudgingly, I'll give you some time. Uh, do, can you bring in that, that device Q-Scent? And it's like this fully branded... <laughs> like a Kawasaki. <laughs> And, like, and like, we have to put it together. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. No, that's even better because what it is is that they, they bring it in and then he's like, all right, the, the, the old submarine guy's like, well, I'll help you put it together. And then they hand it to him and there's handlebars and he's like, what is... What? And then it just smashed. <laughs> and then it cuts, smash yeah. cut. And then Bond on a jet ski zooming out and it's like, yes. And it oh, plays the Bond theme. <laughs> oh, it's excellent. Oh, it's so good. That is good. This this movie has an understanding of when to be funny and yes. when not yep. to be, yeah. and to be actually funny and not, I, is not ineptly silly, mm-hmm. right? I feel like we laughed at Golden Gun, but yes. with, but with this movie, oh yes. boy, we're gonna be laughing at the, the upcoming movies, <laughs> everything else. Yes. Ooh, yeah. Like I said, this is kind of. This is the peak, boys, with the Roger Moore movies. At least this is this is the best we get. I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> Cope. Uh, Britain, you want to do? Yeah, I was going to do, do my favorite segment. Britain recommends a movie. Um, so obviously, I started the segment with Mustang, a Turkish film. Last week, I did The Theory of Everything, a biopic. So this week, I'm going to go a little easier on everybody. I'm actually going to recommend. I'm also going to pivot from the well-established tradition. I'm going to recommend two episodes of a TV show. Uh, <laughs> oh if you, uh, like me, enjoy Richard Keel and also goofing on stuff, I'm going to recommend two episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000, the original run of the show, uh, called The Phantom Planet and Ega. Uh, both of them star Richard Keel. Ega is a pretty famous Ega is, Ega is a pretty well-known. Yeah, it's a brilliant episode. It features the line, You should see her swim. The lady you see her swim, and it's not that special. <laughs> it also it also has one of the most famous MST lines: "Watch out for snakes." Uh, Ega is a really great episode where uh, Richard Keel plays a caveman named sure. named Ega. Is a, this in the shared universe with Caveman oh, uh, starring Ringo Starr? Oh, I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> I have to write several fan fictions. <laughs> I hope, uh, but it's a really really hilarious episode. Arch Hall Jr. and a bunch of friends phantom planet was a later episode it was a 50s sci-fi like schlocky mm-hmm. kind of thing featuring one of my favorite lines in a movie you know captain every year in my life i become more convinced that the wisest and best should turn their attention to the good and the beautiful later leading to one of the robots watching the movie going that was a bad and unbeautiful thing to say sir it's a really great episode. In that movie, Richard Keel plays a uh, alien that looks like a dog mascot. <laughs> good, good, good. So, if you want to see Richard Keel as a caveman or a dog alien, I recommend Ega and Which, the Phantom Planet. I think probably covers our entire audience. Pretty I think, much, I think at least one of those yeah. is something that our audience wants to see. Mr. Science Theater is responsible for about seventy percent of my sense of humor. It's a really important show to me. It's very special and hilarious. And those are two great episodes that also feature Richard Keel being pretty delightful. So those are my recommendations. Tune in next week.
My hope is that at some point you will recommend Shrek 2. Oh. And that's I will leave it at that. See, the only problem is that now I can't do it next week. I mean, you could. Because I want to try to tie it into whatever movie we're reviewing, but Shrek, you could Shrek just... 2 transcends genre. Yeah. It, yeah. it applies to everything. Or you could just recommend one of the other Shrek movies. That's true. Sure, I've for, for Well, guys, my recommendation, as always, is Shrek 2. <laughs> but also, I want to talk about Wong Kar Wai's Chungking Express. <laughs> Alex, what are you thinking about? You think about Shrek 2? Also, yes, also, actually. You've, you've opened up the floodgates by doing TV shows. What, what, where does it stop? At what point can you just recommend... I think the answer is it doesn't. Books. <laughs> uh, uh, commercials from the 80s, perhaps? <laughs> hey, guys, I'm here to recommend this YouTube video called Karate Rap. <laughs> I'm, here, I'm here to recommend... Viral the, uh, videos from the early 2000s? <laughs> I'm here to recommend the commercial for The Spy Who Loved Me that played on ABC. <laughs> we recommend uh, The Vine back at it again with Krispy Kreme. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm, oh. I'm here to recommend this one particular Hot Pocket. <laughs> I feel like I should explain the book, The Spy Who Loved Me, briefly, because it's vastly different. And I assume um, more sexist and racist and bad. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so basically... Ian Fleming, he pretty much disowned The Spy Who Loved Me. When he was giving the film rights over to uh, Broccoli and Saltzman, he basically said, yeah, you can do like straight-up adaptations, whatever you want, except for The Spy Who Loved Me. You can use the title. You cannot use the plot because he did not like it. Like He, <laughs> he didn't like he, the book? He, ba- he basically saw it as a failed experiment. The, the, and that's because, his, his book, you mean? Yes, his Interesting. book. And that's basically because the book is written from a female's perspective. Mm. Like, it's not from Bond's point of view. Oh, he, this should go well. He is the titular spy, in this case. Yes. Okay. Ian Fleming is. Ian Fleming. <laughs> but Bond is the... Is, I mean, So, that's... I'm going to quickly run through the plot of the book. I will say... Um, spoilers I, for the Spy Who Loved Me novel that Ian yeah. Fleming hates. I will also say, I know this will not be true... In a good franchise, this would be a really interesting installment in a good book series yes. to suddenly have a yeah. like like if one of the Harry I'll Potter be honest, books. I don't hate the book. Sure, it's got severe problems. Right. but then again, a lot of the Bond material does. But, just but if like one of the Harry Potter books man. was suddenly narrated by Hermione or something, would yeah. be interesting. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Um, so basically, it's about this girl who grew up in Canada and then she gets she moves off to England. And a good chunk of the book is flashbacks about her past relationships, and basically she has not had a, a good time of it. Basically, she's she's gone from like horrible man to horrible man, and she was like forced to get an abortion, and like there's all this like all really right. intense stuff. Um, and I'm then she sure comes this will ba- continue to be nuanced. As yes, we... but basically she comes back to to uh, Canada, and she's like, all right, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go on like this massive road trip. I'm gonna like rediscover myself. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have. Uh, it's all gonna be about me, and I'm gonna go down to Florida. I'm gonna get a job. Um, These are and, just a number of of disparate. Uh, yes, ideas. It, it's 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 a bit all over the place. <laughs> Florida but then again, it's, road it's, trip it's, job. <laughs> yeah, but um, she gets stuck like running this hotel for like this elderly couple <laughs> that ends up leaving. Like it's like it's it's basically like slow season for this hotel like in somewhere up north like it's near the border of Canada. Um, I thought she was going to Florida. Yeah, but I, t- I said she was in Canada first, and she's going south. I feel like it's going to take a while. She's already got a job in Canada. No, no. Basically, she's going to work slowly. Yeah, the idea is that it'll take a while. Like that's part of part of the thing. Seems like um, a harebrained scheme. Moving on. 
um, this old couple leaves her in charge of the hotel until uh, the insurance people come or something to take care of the hotel because they're you know it's winding down because uh, they're it's about to close down or whatever. Um, but there ends up being a couple of goons that show up that represent like the owner of the hotel and several other establishments, and it's supposed to be like a mob thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they pretty much hold her hostage, and she's she tries to escape multiple times and they keep threatening her um physically and it's very uncomfortable uh and then bond shows up just out of happenstance Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and then the rest of the book is basically the two of them trying to figure out how to take care of these thugs and then they have a brief love affair and then the end of the book is basically this police officer who shows up to kind of take her statement and everything, basically saying, don't fall in love with a man like that because he's too dangerous and he's never going to love you because he's he's tied to the job and he's always going to be focused on the job and whatever. Um, you should, you should love me, Officer Friendly. <laughs> that police officer's name, Sergeant J.W. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's surprisingly preachy at the end. But... The worst line of all is when, from the girl's point of view, she says, all women love semi-rape. Well, guys, don't burn books, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Maybe that one, though. And I thought the book was actually doing a decent job at at least making her, like, feel like a fully fleshed-out character with her own sense of agency. Um, Until... And then she has that line, and the idea is that all girls like to be kind of Forced. aggressively pushed into romance or yeah. something. I I don't know. I yeah, no, that's I, I, I should I shouldn't be trying to sugarcoat it. Would, there is a bit more, like there's more detail that follows that, but that's like the first line. I, I wish I could see your reaction as you're reading through this. Like, okay, this all right, all right. This is this is a touchy subject, but he's doing it. Uh, sorry, what? <laughs> like just well, rereading like, I, a few I feel times. Like I the book. The book seems like it's being a bit more nuanced, and then it's just that blatant. And I'm like, oh, off a cliff. Ian Fleming, you had a shot and you missed it completely. Good times. Um, yeah, I, I feel like if if you gave it to like a really smart, like I, I this is me going with my mindset of just make like TV adaptations of of every single book. I feel like if you gave it to a smart director who who knew what they were doing, they could actually turn that into a really compelling story. Hmm. Um, I think there's a lot in there that's that's really interesting. But yeah, Ian Fleming ultimately saw it as a failed project and didn't want that to be the plot of the movie, which is why it's completely different. Seems fair. Um, and, and which gives absolutely no excuse character. to the other books or the other movies that that completely ignore the the, sure. the book. Source material. Does Looking she, at you, Moonraker. Does she get? To, I'll see you next week. Does she get to Florida at the end? Um, I think the idea is that she just drives off, like I, after this whole incident, and it's like, oh, she's going this to is, Florida. What a what a. <laughs> you don't you don't want Florida to be the end goal. That's not that's not good. She's like Captain Jack, just going, bring me that horizon, and just like. And then she says, "Drink Lots. up, me hearties." Yo, he has like he, Captain Jack has like six ending lines in that movie, and "Bring you know, me that horizon" should be the last line. Yep. Ugh, I love that movie, but come on. Why well, I, I like "Drink up, me hearties," yo ho, including, including. I, I would have liked the... it if it didn't have another. It was like 
if, if well, it's, one it's of the he's, he's he's half remembering the lyrics of the song and at some point he's like and really bad eggs like he's, yeah, he's half remembering yeah, the song yeah. that's the idea and then he says this is the end of the movie which is strangely not the last line he then has more lines it's very weird yeah, it's just, yeah. it just keeps going and then he says, "Don't watch the sequels." And I had no idea what that yeah, meant at the, time. at the time. It made I didn't I mean, know it, what it meant. It, it, it time. And, then, and then he looked at me, and he looked right in the camera, and he goes, "Cherish me while you can." <laughs> I've got like four years. <laughs> and then I watched uh, Ed Wood is my best movie. And then I watched Deadman Tell No. Ta- what's the Deadman's? Uh, Deadman Tell No Tales is number five. That Dead one. Man's Chest is number two. Those last two Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yeah. Those are those are aliens. Those last Terminator. four Pirates of the Caribbean movies. At least the other two are like they they sometimes achieve dumb fun. It was still Gorverbinski. You know? Yeah, the the la- and number two's bad. Pretty pretty good cast. No, no, two's pretty bad. Um but the, the last two are like alien and terminator levels of just mm. like get me out of here. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> or Crimes of Grindelwald, that would be another Sure. Speaking of That's which, good. you have Britain, you have now Speaking put Speaking of Johnny Depp. You have now <laughs> sure. You have now put in the in my head the idea of J.K. Rowling going back and writing a uh, a Neville based uh, <laughs> Harry Potter series. Like alternating like it's it's the mirror to the Harry yeah. Potter series. Which, a- which is great because then like the entire series is super just like Neville being like, oh, I don't know, I, I don't feel like I fit in, and I feel, you know, I'm worried about my my grandmother. She gets angry at me, and then like the last book, the last book is just he turns into this like metal like yeah, like and he kills rebel a, who and he like, kills a snake, decapitates a snake with a giant legendary sword. great sword, yeah. like which you're making that sound a lot better than the book did. <laughs> I mean, I, I I like that seventh book a lot. But sure. The, the just just the idea of like this series that's just very quiet just and then suddenly he just like, like oh just like a scared boy at a crazy school. <laughs> yeah. Quick question. Yes. And this is completely off topic because this is actually about the movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> dig. All right. Talking about Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. Right? Shots fired. Correct. How much better would the movie have been if they had just casted Christopher Lee again as Stromberg? Ooh. Yeah. Surprise! I'm his brother, like a diehard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he has like a scar this time, maybe or something. Like mix it up a little. <laughs> I you have know, four nipples. Said, I'm like a cat. Said I'm like a cat. Character. <laughs> what? If you said Christopher Lee's character was Bond's half brother, I'd buy it a lot more than Christoph Waltz to blow or to Daniel Craig. You're not wrong. Um, I don't know. That just popped into my head. Christopher Lee just needs to be the bad guy in every Bond movie because he's secretly the best, but sure. they don't use him at all. Jaws, I think, is my favorite Bond villain up to this point of this set. Which is nice because he comes back in the next yeah, one. Like, like he's a ton of fun. And, yeah. And I feel like he... It's different than the Sheriff J.W. Pepper thing where, where like, you watch Live and Let Die and you're like, all right, he was funny, I guess. <laughs> I... Do they need to bring him back? Absolutely not. I understand. And then this one, you're like, I... yeah, yeah. Jaws is in the opening titles of the first or of of Moonraker. Like they immediately are just like, Jaws is back. Isn't it great? Like Jaws, Jaws, Odd Job, and and Goldfinger are all yeah. are all quite good. Um, I like I like Fiona Volpe from Thunderball. Sure, she's really cool. I feel like. That's about that quickly tapers off for me in terms of Christopher Lee is Teehee's nice in Live I, and Let Die. I like Christopher Lee because he's Christopher Lee, not so yeah. much because he is playing this particular villain in a Bond movie. Right. And like, yeah. 
I feel like it tapers off very quickly after that in terms of, do I even remember them? Right. You remember Largo from from Thunderball? His thing is, I have an eye patch. Doesn't he, doesn't he get... Does he blow up on a boat? What happens to him? Well, Domino harpoons him at the end because he's about to kill Bond. And then... But it's the not like a crashes. cool harpooning, right? Like, isn't it... It's no, sort of... I think he just gets, like, shot in the back. Yeah, it's not like it's not like this movie where, where Bond just shoots a harpoon clear through two men. No. No, no, is... no, no, no. It's not nearly that cool. Anyways, uh, do we want to go ahead and get into grades? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go D+, plus because I, I really... Though I have real, no real problems with the movie, my lack of interest in it still... Like, I, I would feel weird giving it, like, a really high grade. Right. So that's what the plus is there for, is, like... <laughs> no, and I mean that, like... No, like, this movie didn't do anything wrong. I just... It's just not for me. So, it's like, I recently rewatched Across the Universe, and I was like, oh, I don't hate this movie. We are just not on the same wavelength at all. This is just... You You are... You you are... The only... You are serving me nothing that I want to eat. Except for, like, a couple of moments. Right. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so I'm gonna get D plus. What do you okay. got, Alex? <sighs> I, I I'm I'm not quite sure I, I'm I'll, I'll, I'm in the C plus to B minus range. I'm not, I'm not sure where I'm falling. Are do you know where where you're at? I do. Okay, I, I'd kind of like to hear that before deciding. I'm going B plus. Oh my god! <laughs> I gotta look back at the score sheet. I think that's my highest grade I've given any That's of your highest grade! I, I, I legitimately think this is the movie I've enjoyed the most out of all of these. Britain, who let that happen? Uh, What's my second highest highest Bond grade? Of the well, movies? hold on. Let's look at the Daniel Craig movies again. Daniel Craig is not... It's, no, because Casino Royale... Because those are real movies. I, although I switched my grades several times with those. I'm, yes, you decided to change your grades for Casino Royale and Skyfall to match mine because you realized I was right. Correct. Um, yeah... Uh, I think the only one that comes close, Goldfinger, you gave a B. Yeah, that's what the, uh, that's what I was thinking is that Goldfinger I did like quite a bit, but I don't think it um I, it was just a lot messier for me. I did not right. this this one I think is probably not quite as like clever, but it's just a lot more. I mean, it is sort of crowd pleasing almost, but I don't yeah. know. I, I really enjoyed it. I think the tone is spot on. Um. The, it allows for for a lot of good Roger Moore stuff. Uh, like I said, the relationship I was very surprised by. Yeah, all things considered, I had a really good you time with it. Threw me for it, a loop. It, 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 now it, I've got to give it a B minus. It genuinely is the Ant Man thing of like I, that's the same grade I gave Ant Man, where I was like, this is how I like. I don't think I could a movie of that's made like this or like with this end goal in mind could could go higher than a B plus. But for what it is, it did it exactly how I wanted it to. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm going B minus. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, the plot's a little messy for like a good 30, 30 40 minutes. Um, but then once once they get into that van and they're sne- sneaking into the desert with Jaws, then then it, it really it comes into its own. Sure, I think. And I, I really do like that third act. That's one of my favorite mm-hmm. action set pieces in all of James Bond. So, yeah. It's it's nice to enjoy a Bond movie now <laughs> <Yeah>. and again. <laughs> There's considering I'm a Bond fan and I secretly hate most of them. <laughs> you said that we're No, wait, sorry. This is for off mic. Never mind. I thought we were okay. off mic already. 
I stroked off. How could you possibly uh, come to that conclusion? Guys, we just listen. Okay. We don't act differently when we're recording the podcast. It's just we're just like you. We're just exactly. God, I'm always falling downstairs and eating pizza. <laughs> um, at the same time, <laughs> which is usually which, why the, I fall down. Yeah, the, the two might go time. hand in hand. There, there might be a reason. Or maybe falling down the stairs. I land exactly. I land in the pizza. This, nurse this emotional wound. I'm always in that two story Papa John's. <laughs> you guys know Shaq bought a bunch of Papa John's. That's not a lie. Um... <laughs> But Look anyway, I am the Papa John's now. But, but, but he, as a part of the contract, he was like, "But we have to retitle these ones that I own, Papa Shacks." Exactly. No, and look, if if they called them Papa Shacks, it would be a cool place to eat again. You, you know, <laughs> like you don't have to. Ch- you can make the pizza a little bit worse if you call it Papa Shack. I'm would, not going to lie. I, you can, I, I you can let that quality control dip off a bit. Are they afraid of Pizza Shack <laughs> and being too close to? Come on. Anyway. Um, we should probably wrap up. Which is great because Pizza Shack sounds like like a sitcom like parody pizza yeah. place. <laughs> but two guys, I, two guys I like a girl the idea of, of really taking that further and making it. It is in in the universe. It is Pizza Shack. Yes. And then like it's it's the <laughs> Shack has bought this pizza place. Yeah, I would like that. Yep. So fun fact: at the end of this movie, it says James Bond will return in for your eyes only. Um. But then Star Wars came out, and they said, we're doing Moonraker! Oh, that was a lie. <laughs> so a Moonraker next week. Yep. Uh, that one I am very, very interested to hear what you guys think so, of. Yeah, I'm that, looking forward to watching it. Of all the Bond movies, in terms of hearing the the opinions that you, that both of you have, this is my most anticipated. So does, does Jaws make it to space? I'm not going to confirm or deny. Okay. Okay. What about Jason? Does Jason go to space? Jason Voorhees? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm thinking of a proper uh, witty response to that, and it's just not coming to me. <laughs> well, then we will see you guys back here next time for Moonraker. <laughs> you can find us online uh, at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCTSequels. You can find us on iTunes if you just search Here Come the Sequels. Okay. And there's another one. You can find us through email at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. I remembered it. Thank you. I would like to thank the Academy. <laughs> All right. Well, I've been... <laughs> that written. was the most enthusiastic I'd like no, to thank the Academy uh, I've ever heard. You're like Joe Pesci. When Joe Pesci won his Oscar, he literally went, thank you. And then he left. He may say, like, he, thank you very much. He also I did a gangster it. rap. What? Joe Pesci did a gangster rap. You, okay. Have you heard about this? No. Oh, I'm gonna have to show it to y'all. Yeah, we got a couple. Go plays. look up. Right. Well, we gotta go, do that. Go look up man, Joe so. Pesci's like Goodfellas gangster rap. It's it, it's exactly what it sounds like. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, like given that I told you guys to look up Caveman, so I'm gonna look up that up too. I'm, so we're I'm, gonna have a good day. I'm still stuck on imagining George Lucas accepting an Oscar. <laughs> uh, thank you guys. Uh, this means a lot. Um, I never I, thought the Trade Federation spinoff movie would resonate with audiences the way that it did I, with me. I really, I Shut really... up, George! The author, the author doesn't go to you, it goes to your editors! Jar, Jar, George Schumacher just walks on stage, I don't know why. Jar Jar's Big Adventure, I never really <laughs> expected it to, to make it as far as it did, and uh, I'm really proud That was of his it. secret title for Star Wars Episode Two. <laughs> what was, was the original was it, title? It, Jar Jar's I, Big Day. <laughs> <laughs> Misa got to fight Large Marge. Okay, I'm, I've been Britain. <laughs> Artist subjective. Nothing is real.
<laughs> Whatever.